Money FM 89.3, best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. I'm Michelle Martin. Good morning. It's Thursday. Asia-Pacific shares are trading mixed this morning. Tokyo is up about half a percent on news that Japanese exports surge in April. Sydney is also trading higher, but Seoul is in the red. Investors, meanwhile, are catching their breath following a hectic session in the cryptocurrency markets overnight. What's going on? And another sell-off on Wall Street. Joining me now to break down all the market action. Good Thursday morning. Ryan Huang. Happy Thursday, Michelle. How are you feeling? Pretty good. One day closer to the weekend. Yeah, first week back from long leave, Ryan Huang. So let's put him to work. Buckle your seats. If you are a cryptocurrency investor, you definitely need a strong sum- stomach. Would have needed one overnight. Just looking at the one-day charts, I feel some motion sickness coming on. About 24 hours ago, Bitcoin was trading above 42,000 US dollars a token. Yesterday evening, it came within a breadth of 30,000, that mark. That's a 30-plus percent loss and a 3 months low. But wait, Bitcoins quickly bounce back and are now back about 37,000 US dollars. So depending on how you look at it or from which minute you were checking the charts at, it's a 20% gain or a 12% loss. So Ryan, I might be asking the impossible of you this Thursday morning, but help us understand this. Let's start with the sell-off. What do you think yeah. caused that? So we all talk about cryptocurrency and Bitcoin with words like Roller coaster ride. Sale. And sale. And to some extent, I would describe it as a roller coaster ride within a roller coaster <laughs> ride because everything happened within the space of 24 hours. Typically, we see swings up and down in the space of a week over a few days, but all this swung back and forth very fast in the space of well, a few hours. And you pointed out we saw a plunge of nearly 30% at one stage for Bitcoin to nearly $30,000 and it's managed to pair some of those losses and it's now trading at around $37,000. So up and rather down and up. And a couple of things to point at that might suggest those um, factors driving down prices. For starters, you have, of course, China um, clamping down on Mm -hmm. those hopes, warning financial institutions from providing services to cryptocurrencies and transactions. You also had JP Morgan coming out with a report saying that their investors are dumping the digital asset for gold. And what's also worth noting is on a technical analysis basis, if you look at the 200-day moving average. It is below those prices. So some of the chartists or people who pay attention to charts or technical analysis might have sold and then the selling led to more selling and all the momentum just led to what's happened overnight. And finally, now testing uh, what's a three-month low. So (laughs) that is, of course, one of the many reasons we could speculate. It is just so tough to figure out what's going to be happening with cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin next. I just want to underline a point. So one factor that's been boosting the crypto bulls recently has been a perception that large financial institutions are buying into the market. JP Morgan poured some cold water on that theory by saying they think big institutional investors are dumping Bitcoin and going back into gold. And the price of gold, by the way, currently trading around 1865 US dollars an ounce, up a couple of a percent over the past week. So Ryan, we've looked at the sell-off. Now, what do you think triggered traders to buy back in so quickly? Was it simply the chartists, as you say, saying this has gone down too far too fast? 
Yeah, you've got that reason. And also, of course, Elon Musk has to be part of the conversation. You might remember him for talking up Bitcoin, or at least announcing that Tesla has bought into Bitcoin nearly three months ago. Surprise, surprise, the prices are now back to where it was three months ago. So he has pretty much um, well, stayed flat on that investment if you look at it in that perspective. So he mm. has been one of the reasons why we saw prices dropping for Bitcoin because recently he has been saying Tesla will no longer accept Bitcoin for car payments. And that is because of environmental concerns. That in turn led to a few investors getting jitters uh, but now he has come out to give some reassurance, saying things like what he has tweeted, mm -hmm. diamond hands. And in meme speak or cryptocurrency speak, that means he or that alludes to how he is going to be holding steady to his current holdings, just holding steady or at least hinting that he will do so. And then you have Kathy Wood of the Up Investment Fund. She runs a huge investment fund that owns cryptocurrencies and she's very bullish. She says, this is now time to buy on the dips. So this is just a sign that it's on sale and it's a good time to get in. And she has a very optimistic target price. $500,000. Right now it's $37,000. So you can kind of imagine how much more she thinks it can go. And you also have a, another big name in the cryptocurrency world. He is the entrepreneur behind the cryptocurrency platform Tron. And he says, well, at least he claims to, on Twitter, has bought $152 million worth of Bitcoin, Justin Sun, for around $37,000 a coin. So a couple of big names backing Bitcoin, helping to recover the sentiment in the markets. And also, this is one of the reasons why we saw broader markets being rattled so much. Not to forget Barstool Sports founder Dave Portnoy, who earlier this week announced that he's purchased $40,000 of a cryptocurrency that's uh, been named a S-Coin. I can't say that word on air, S-Coin. Uh, it's called Safe Moon, the kind of coin. Well, it's a euphemism for poop, poop coin. So he says if it's early, if it is a Ponzi, you want to get it on the ground floor. That might be the psychology of people buying in. Now, a lot of crypto traders had to be frustrated overnight, not just because of the price fluctuations. Every major crypto exchange went offline at some point, unable to cope with the traffic. Fill us in. Yeah, I can just imagine the traffic heading into these exchanges. Everyone rushing for the doors. And if you can't get into the exit, you are just going to be just sweating because <laughs> everyone is selling. You see the prices dropping down. But you can't do anything because your account is frozen. You can't trade. That must be very worrying. So all that causing um, outages from the likes of Coinbase Global to Binance. And this really shaking, I guess, confidence among investors, maybe to some extent, that it's a good reminder not to over-trade or over-invest in cryptocurrencies because these type of things can happen. Yeah, you really got to manage your risks and assess your risk tolerance if you're a crypto investor. One of those exchanges that suddenly went offline, Coinbase, suffered big swings in its share price as well. By day's end, it closed off 6%. Coinbase shares have been on a steady downtrend since they went public last month. Now I want to turn back to equity markets, where US stocks finished down for the third straight session. Banks and energy counters were amongst the biggest losers. So one concern here, and we've been hearing 
hearing about this uh, from the bears for some time now is that inflation could get out of hand and force the U.S. Federal Reserve to scale back its easy money policy. The Fed gave the bears a bit of ammunition on that front overnight with the release of April minutes. So what's the latest on this front? Yeah, normally meeting minutes are not very exciting, especially when they are three weeks old. Mm-hmm. But this time, you do have a bit of colour and detail coming out from the FOMC minutes. And what we have is actually some hints of taper talk. You might remember Fed Chair Jerome Powell saying he's not thinking about thinking about raising rates, but now looking at the minutes, it looks like some of them are thinking about doing so. Mm. So potentially looking at scaling back bond buying, the purchases of assets. So this is a bit of acknowledgement that the US economy is bouncing back so much so that maybe they can start thinking about tightening their monetary policy. And what we have here is some, I guess, the first signs that we might see the topic on the table at some point in the near future. They didn't say when exactly they might do so, but at least it's on the table for discussion sometime down the road. So that is raising expectations that you might see rate hikes sooner rather than later. You also have to bear in mind that these minutes were three weeks ago and in the space of those three weeks, we had some very strong inflation data points like the CPI numbers for April. 4.2% up, really beating or blowing away expectations. So... Mm these minutes did not even factor in those strong inflation numbers. So you can just imagine what now when they have another meeting, will they be even more hawkish and start to think even more about hiking or cutting back their asset purchases? It was not a good day to go public in the US. Ryan, have you ever used the website platform Squarespace? No, I've heard that competitor weeks. So mm, when I use. build a website, I would Check them out. All right. Well, Squarespace went public on the New York Stock Exchange overnight with a direct listing and it lost one third of its value. Gosh, uh, not all is gloomy, though. On the plus side, we do have a fresh indication that consumers are spending again. The retail chain Target says its sales and profits surged in the first quarter of this year. It is making money from both online and in-store sales. Target shares jumped 6% in trade overnight. All right, I want to bring the discussion back here to Singapore now, where Singapore Airlines posted a $4 billion loss. Singapore's flag carrier saw passenger traffic drop a predictable 98% last year in what is most certainly the worst year in the company's history. Walk us through the key numbers, Ryan. Yeah, worst year indeed. It is calling it the toughest year in its history. So a loss of $4.3 billion annually makes it its second annual loss. And this is far bigger than what it recorded, $212 million loss in the prior financial year. And in that financial year, it had only one quarter in the red that was affected by the pandemic. So what more in the current financial year or the latest financial year where pretty much the entire four quarters were affected by COVID-19. So this is off the back of what you pointed out, a plunge in passenger traffic, 98% plunge. And this, for numbers, context, um, last year, they served around 600,000 passengers. That is far below the 36 million in the prior year. And then you have group revenue down, 76% to $3.8 billion. So all that, of course, with tighter travel restrictions around the world. And of course, SIA 
hit harder than most because it does not have a domestic travel market. Mm. So as I announced earlier this week, it would raise about $6.2 billion via the issue of a second tranche of its mandatory convertible bonds. It is also starting to restructure its fleet. That's how it's preparing for the future. Is there any silver lining, though? Some analysts, Ryan, are speculating that freight traffic might help SIA. Yeah, so you've got the, what you pointed out, the $6.2 billion MCB being issued. So more financing options. It's also retiring more planes. So it is right-sizing itself Mm. to be in the right shape and place to ride the COVID-19 rebound or recovery. The bright spot also comes through with cargo. So this is where we are looking at freight revenues up 39% to $2.7 billion. So this is off the back of shipments of actually COVID-19 vaccines, which says it is a good area for them to try to tap more into. So that's one area they want to ramp up. You also have them saying they want to look at expanding the current passenger network and the passenger capacity. So it's expecting a bit of a tick up in capacity to sea levels recovered to 28% of pre-COVID-19 levels in June and by July, 32%. So steadily, gradually ticking up. And you also have them saying they are going to look for new engines of revenue growth. So maybe more innovations down the road for them to get more income. All right, let's turn to commodities and corporate news now. For our game of up or down, I name an item accompanying the news. Ryan tells us which way he thinks it's moving. Ready, ready, ready to roll? Let's go. Okay, how about lumber? All right, lumber is a tough one. I would say down at least um, because I'm looking at lumber futures down 5%. And this is off the back of a really huge rally in the past few weeks at least since March, because a lot of people have been staying at home. And what are they doing? They are doing a lot of home improvement. And that means they are buying wood, lumber to make stuff. And also, home building, housing starts in the past few weeks have been going up. So that means more materials needed to build houses. That is pushing up the prices of lumber. And demand already supply is not catching up demand. So after such a huge run up, it is now starting to come down. Yeah, do you lug in a piece of lumber, Ryan, when you're doing home improvement? No, uh, it's not such really. a difference, right? It's different taste yeah, in Singapore, culturally different. different. Culture. Yeah. So, like Bitcoin, lumber, I think, was both an up and down because lumber prices were surging in the U.S., but they've been on a downtrend for the past ten days. On the futures market, overnight, lumber prices experienced big gyrations in both directions. All right, let's turn now to homegrown real estate company Propnex. Right, prop next would be an up for me, and that's because it has expanded to its fourth overseas market, Cambodia. So, this will see it with a sales staff force of 500 people in Cambodia. Yeah, also looking to raise a mixed use development along with Hong Kong developer Urban Hub Cambodia. So, it's an up for prop next for me as well. Next, city developments. All right, I would say this is an up for me because in its latest update, it says it is seeing signs of improvement across its core business segments. Uh, but of course, it is still warning COVID-19 is going to be impacting operations. Um, of course, on that front, you do have the delays when it comes to development of projects with the labor shortage starting to have pressure on those um, delays and hampering progress. 
the other thing that's worth watching is this REIT they are planning to list in London together mm. with the Qatar Investment Authority. So there's some reports, some talks that the Qatar Investment Authority might be injecting HSBC's London headquarters into this REIT. The REIT per se is not finalised yet, so this is just speculation or at least reports for now. So up and up for me for CDL. All right, I'll give it a cautious up. CDL sold nearly 320 units in the first quarter, a lot better than a year ago, but the developer remains wary about the impact on the market of COVID-19. Next, unusual. All right, unusual. We do have the usual problem <laughs> affecting most companies, and that is COVID-19, and that is the reason why it has issued a profit warning for its financial year 2021. And this is a swing from a net profit from the prior year. Prior year, And of course, the usual suspect being blamed these days, COVID-19 disruptions. Mm. So it is an events production company. So the number of events it can organize, large-scale live events and concerts, of course, are not there, either suspended or scaled down. So no revenue, or at least not as much. So it is looking at losses in the latest financial year, on top of that, it is expecting to record an impairment of um, impairment loss on financial assets. So down for unusual. Yeah, down for me as well. It is an events production company and it has issued a profit warning expecting to report a large net loss. Next up, the Indonesian oil and gas tycoon Chris Willowan. Right, so this has been in the news for quite some time. Finally, it has reached a bit of a milestone in terms of um, development. So he has been fined half a million dollars for three counts of market rigging. So this is around or involving the shares of KS Energy, an oil and services firm. And this is, of course, now collapsed and he has led the firm for decades. So he pled guilty earlier and this is around offences committed between December 2014 and September 2016 to apparently push up KS Energy's share price. So his lawyers claim that he engaged in what's called, or what they call, a price support operation because he saw certain investors dumping shares and he felt those shares still had value in them. So that is pretty much the crux of what's happening here. So he's been found guilty of uh, market rigging. Indeed, for the Indonesian tycoon. Uh, let's check in on local stocks now, Ryan. The so-called reopening plays, companies like Singapore Airlines, Gunting Singapore, Comfort Delgro, they were among the worst performers yesterday. And that was before SIA released their results. Overall, the Straits Times Index dipped 1.2% to 31.04. How is it looking this morning? And are there signs of a rally or are investors still taking risk off the table? Yeah, looking at the region, we've seen it go red so far and it is interesting to see the SEI bucking the trend. It's right now in the green by 0.4% at 3,116. So recovering some of yesterday's losses and some of those losses came through yesterday because of the reopening theme names. So we talked about a couple of them. Um, let's start with Comfort Delgro. Uh, right now, we are looking at Comfort Delgro trading slightly higher by 0.6%. Gunting Singapore, another name that was down, is actually now up 1.9%. And if you look at what's happening for SIA, of course, we saw it down yesterday, and that was before 
its results. And right now, it's up by 1.9%. So, looks like investors think it is a good chance to buy in on the dips for those reopening theme names. And look at Propnex. Despite the news that is expanded into Cambodia is down by 0.8% so far this morning. And a quick snapshot of the STI. You've got... Most names in the green, just three counters in the red, and at the bottom, Dairy Farm down 0.5%. And Dairy Farm was one of the two counters in the green yesterday. So, a bit of a reversal of color or picture from what we've been seeing in the past 24 hours. You go beyond the headlines with us in a matter of minutes. This is Market View. He's Ryan Huang. I'm Michelle Martin, and you are listening to Your Money. Before acting on the information on Money FM, Please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.